Welcome to episode six of Big Rig Radio. I'm here with the U.S. boys, um, Christopher Del Bosco and Tyler. What's going on, Tyler? Not too much. Thanks for having us. Hey, man. Thanks for having us. Nice rainy day with not much else going on. Yeah. Yeah, so you guys are the first, well, I guess Dell has been on the team for a long time, but the first kind of like outside of the team that has been on the podcast. So, yeah, well... Welcome. Foreigners, big big foreigners. <laughs> yeah, foreigners. We'll get through the language barrier, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, it should be, shouldn't be too bad, but yeah, yeah you know, um, I guess it's uh, we're just canceled. You know, we had a big snowstorm, so we're not racing and um, planning for tomorrow. So getting a few podcasts down, but um, yeah, basically, um, let's start with Dell. Just you know, a little bit of summary of who you are and where you're from, and and we'll go into Tyler. Um, yeah. Um, well, Chris Del Bosco, obviously, but, um, I am racing now for the U S um, I'm a dual citizen. Um, I started racing ski cross probably back in 2000, um, on my own in the U S, um, with our Eric Archer and a bunch of the guys that have kind of helped build some of the teams and, um, on the world cup now. And, um, around 2007, I was, um, approached by the by a guy from Canada, Cam Bailey, who was um, putting together a team. His goal was to win medals in Vancouver. Uh, they found out kind of through a friend that I had the dual citizenship through my father. And uh, that was like kind of right at a point for me where I um, kind of got in some trouble when I was younger as a kid and was just kind of putting everything back together and um, thought that dream of Olympic kind of glory had had passed by. And um it was a second opportunity for me and I jumped at it and, uh, yeah, put 15 years in with the Canadian team and, um, had a bunch of success and great friends and memories and, um, kind of ran its course. And I, I, I didn't quite make the criteria, um, hadn't, hadn't into the last for this season and I wasn't quite done and had been kind of thinking for a lot of years if, uh, I'd been watching like my friends in the U.S., like John Teller and um, those guys after the team kind of folded after the Vancouver Olympics, like just do it on their own. And um, it's always been kind of frustrating. And, you know, I thought maybe, you know, it was an opportunity for me to to bring a little bit of awareness back to ski cross in the U.S. Um, and uh, Tyler was like, yeah, gracious enough to let me join uh, along with him and uh, it's been a pretty cool ride. Totally something new that, you know, we haven't, I've been kind of in the team environment for so long and um, you kind of get into that one kind of method of doing things. And uh, we were able to join with the Germans this year and just to see another program and how they work and um, to, to see Tyler, you know, just kind of re-energize me. And um, yeah, I've been having fun. It's been good. I mean, definitely some struggles early in the year, but the last few um, races, I feel like, you know, I still belong. So uh, yeah, we'll see what the, the future holds. Perfect. And you, Tyler? Yeah, I'm Tyler Wallace. I'm from Mammoth Lakes, California. And uh, now between Alpine, Wyoming and Ore, Sweden. Um, I started ski cross back in 2011, about. Um, Del mentioned uh, John Teller, and he's from Mammoth as well. And I was uh, playing high school football, and he was always in my ear about coming to do coming to try ski cross and I was like nah, I'm not doing that I'm not doing that and then I went to one and was just hooked and then that season 
Teller went won X Games, was battling with, with Dell. And uh, I was like, this is a pretty cool opportunity to ski with, like, my neighbor, basically, is one of the best in the world at this sport. Um, and I just switched, and I, I haven't really looked back on it. But, um, yeah, with, with Teller, it was tough, uh, or with for all of us, because right when I started, basically, was right after we were cut from the U.S. US program. And so I've been... I've been fully independent since since I started ski cross, and the first years uh, I progressed a lot because I had guys like Teller and Joe Swenson who were getting podiums and wins, and I was only I was 17 at my first start, and then that first season with those guys I was 18, so I had some good progress. And then uh, when they retired in 2014, I could feel it kind of slow down, and our our top guys just had to be done because they couldn't afford it anymore, and. Uh, yeah, and then just been grinding away the last few years trying to to work my way up and I've always been kind of banging at the door. And then when when Chris talked to me last season about coming over to the US, I was like, well, he knows he he's got some miles under him. He knows some, a thing or two about about ski cross. So I mean, I've got 10 years basically 10 years on the World Cup, like a couple extra just cuz I was had nowhere else to go. Um but I was like, yeah, Dell's definitely got some knowledge that I could tap into and it's been it's been a cool season uh I changed up I had four years of fully independent um like private team and we partnered with some other teams um just to get video coverage and then now going with fully with the Germans with Dell it's been a transition for me as well um kind of more the same still the like this the 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 background stuff is the same of just trying to figure out how to make a season happen but having the team support and having a teammate travel with me again it's that's that's a bit different for me yeah for sure well it's definitely paid off considering what happened in right around there getting the first podium there and that was huge that was pretty wild yeah it's felt like it's been a long time coming because i've always like not always but for the last few years i've had i've had days where i felt like i could all i mean all of us have but there's a lot of days where it's like i left a lot out there and just like one stupid mistake and you're out in quarterfinals like i've all, I, mean, I feel like I've been out in quarterfinals so much and then to finally like get some momentum going and I was like oh like finally had good starts for the first time in like three years as well which was nice so that that makes the the game a lot easier so yeah it was good Austria was fun yeah I really take for granted how streamlined the Canadian system is in terms of like you know starting an alpine and moving your way up to the national team for ski cross like for me it was easy I didn't have to think about it I didn't have to plan people just told me you know go here go there go there and next thing you know, I'm on, you know, the A team and stuff. So yeah, I mean, it's a, uh, it's a lot of work for, for, for you guys. I've noticed it obviously from like watching from the outside and it, it's such a, a lot of teams don't realize kind of what they have. Um, and it's easy to say, cause the grass is always greener. Like I, I've for sure have, I try to take advantage of the advantages of being on my own, um, and or relatively on my own, but like the. Yeah, to be able to, to have guys to chase and ski cross is huge because like in Alpine, you can go and set. If you're just training GS, you just go set GS and just get faster and faster. Like you, they even need guys to, to chase to to train with, and they want that. But in ski cross, we're on the track together. You can you can only get so good at ski cross on your own. Like I think, I mean, you could win as many qualities as you want, but that's not the race. That's it's called qualifying for a reason. Like that's just the barrier of entry to do finals um 
and so that's that's one of the huge things about being on a team that's got things figured out and then yeah when I talk I mentioned like when Teller retired in 2014 like I didn't have guys to chase anymore but it was also guys who who knew all the other coaches who knew like what the schedule was I'm lucky I had them for two years or if I tried to show up and was just doing it fully on my own and didn't know anyone um it would have been really really tough but luckily I had two years where I kind of I recognized coaches I like people would kind of look out and you luckily I think they a lot of teams kind of feel a little bad for us and so they'll they'll just at least help help where they can and uh yeah it's a it, it, it takes a lot longer just to kind of build that base to to get to where you're competing at the top level yeah for sure and like you know like even like we want you guys to have like success more than anybody really like look at it this way you know like if you took like the nhl and just made it so there was no hockey whatsoever in the u.s think about how small it would be in canada mm-hmm. right so like if if we could get the u.s on board for ski cross funding and stuff like that it would be huge for the sport and huge for north america as a whole because you know it's a, it's a long way to go just for for one country that supports it and you know like there's yeah it would be so such a bonus for us if you guys could get yourself on like a full funded program <laughs> yeah um yeah i mean that's what i think you know there's a lot of people that have been working at it for a lot of years and um I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer. Like, really, it's where the sport was um, born, and um, the talent pool is huge. Uh, I think, like, the draw from, like, a spectator standpoint in the U.S., like, it feeds to that kind of NASCAR, like, that head-to-head racing, which is very easy to understand. And um, if we could, yeah, if we can just get things rolling, I know there's people, fast people, and, uh, yeah, I think we could be a major player. And like you said, I think that's... A lot of the reason, like we're partnering with the Germans. I think Healy um, from the German program, when he, when we're speaking with him, um, you know, they all everybody's kind of looking bigger picture and like how you can grow the sport. And missing that U.S. piece is huge. Um, And so, you know, that's kind of I think by helping us, you know, he's hoping that that will help the sport. And like you said, yeah, it's hard when you're just the only, you know, the sport is basically the European tour, like you, you spend three, four, five, six months sometimes on the road. And, um, a lot of those other teams don't understand what it's like coming from North America and just living out of a suitcase the whole year. You know, they, they have one race and they get to go home for two nights. They're like, they got to go away for two weeks. They're like, man, been on the road so long. It's like, dude, you have no idea. So I think that could be really cool if we can create kind of a North American base for the, the tour um have you know two or three stops and um get people over there and you know i think it would definitely take off yeah tyler did you ever get a chance to actually go to like an x games as a spectator or as i went com- to the the shortened season i think it was 2015 i think so yeah, yeah the, 20, last, the last like they took year. they took two years off i think and then 2015 i was an uh, alternate so i didn't okay. actually compete i got to run qualifying and train um, but then I just found out my time at the end and they were like, yeah, no one got hurt in training. So sorry. So then I got to watch from the bottom, but I mean like, yeah, I think I know where you're going with that. Like just being an American watching X games, like that was what introduced most of us to, 
to ski cross in at least in the u.s i don't know about about in canada but i mean we had resort tv in mammoth and it was like whatever the weather channel and all that and they ran jeep king of the mountain and um x games reruns basically of ski cross and border cross or just cross events and that's like what they had on tv and that's, i remember the first ski crosses i watched were from that and then basically basically x games every year and like looking back and seeing how big the the american and canadian field was i mean you guys are still there because you didn't you never really left yeah. but when i started like two or three years before there was a ton of guys fighting to go to vancouver and then following vancouver uh teller started winning and then my first season there was eight american guys at the like the first season of world cup that i did in 2012 so we had like a full full contingency going to the december races and then like year after year it goes down to from eight to six to four then it was just me and brant crossing for a couple years and then brant if he had an injury um there was a couple girls still doing it and now we're like last year after brant got hurt i was down to one and then now he got Dell, so we back, we're back up to three, and then Brand got hurt again, and back down. Like now we're down to two again. But it takes a long time to build it up, but it can go away. Like it feels like it goes away way quicker than you expect. And not sure where they want us to, like how to build it on our own. They're like, well, bring some guys over. It's like, oh, it's hard to introduce people when we got to focus on ourselves and and do our thing. Um, but yeah, I went to one X Games to answer your question, <laughs> or I I was there. I didn't get to compete though yeah. that must have been sweet and then so a lot of people that haven't you know are new to watching seacross and stuff like that so like x games was was six guys not four Dell, can you tell us a little bit about that um yeah x games was like that was really what drew me into like we had the when i was you know starting out we had a, some small pro tour races in the u.s and they were like four like normal but like six up at x games was like where you wanted to be and um, the tracks were always like way bigger than anything anywhere. Um, in the early days, it was like, yeah, over a minute, like minute 20 tracks, six guys. Um, and really like it starts didn't really matter. You could make up time. There were so many rhythm sections and like you could be six to second to four, you know, like it was just, I think it added a whole nother element. And I really like the six up racing. I think, you know, it's, it's more fun and, and adds some more stuff, but you really need the type of track that can, that can ha kind of handle it. And, um, Corley, yeah. Um, Corley Howard always built like these tracks that were amazing. Um, that worked for snowboard women all the way to ski men. Like one year it was like 10 or 15 seconds time difference between the different, like different rate, different categories. And, um, it worked for everybody. And, you know, that's kind of, what got me hooked on this, on the sport. And, um, and then I think like the early years and the first couple Olympics were pretty big tracks also. And then now we've kind of seen things go, I think in the wrong direction. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, X games, it's sad that those days are gone, but I think, you know, I, I mean, I, I think it was very popular, um, within the whole program of X games, like a lot of viewership, it drew a lot of people that maybe don't, aren't into like the slope styles and that type of stuff. Cause it's head to head racing. And it was the only one at the, in the beginning that was like first one down wins, um, wasn't judged or anything, but I think it, at the end of the day, it, you know, the, the venue 
costs a lot to build because it's a huge track. And I think they started like we always race the last the last Sunday in January. And I think they would start building like right after New Year's. So it was like a month of build to really make a track like that. So now on the World Cup, you know, they might have like a, they might give like a week. And uh, I think that's what you see the tracks that we have nowadays. Yeah, that and they're always fighting, you know, the climate, it seems like. Like we've been every place it seems like we're going to it's like well you can ski on this one run but like you're going to probably trash your skis so we're going up and we're doing inspection and then physical warm-up on course and then we're skiing the course because there's literally nowhere to ski on the hill because there's no snow it's all man-made oh i think that's where i like it's it's tough for me because uh i i agree with you on that but i think it's just like the luck of the season and maybe where we're we're scheduled to race because like yeah being on the road this year and I'm seeing photos from back home, like on the Western U S right now, like I've, I have friends calling me to get into my house. Cause my family was trying to get guys to come shovel. Cause no one was home for a week and our house was just buried. And I woke up like a month ago to people calling me like, oh, dude, I don't know where your hidden key is. And I was like, what are you doing at my house? And they're like, we gotta, we gotta dig it out. You're just going to get buried. And now there's another, I mean, it's just like time and place. And, um, yeah, I mean, we've been lucky. Like, we've had years in here, like in, in Switzerland, where it's been awesome. I mean, like, I think the the COVID year, we just got unlucky with our timing, and the track was really good, and the weather was good, and now we're, we're free to go race, and the weather doesn't want to cooperate. So, yeah, for sure, like, if you – with the snow being thin this season over in Europe, yeah. it's, it's a bummer. But it also sucks that we're, like, we're kind of at the whim of the – like where we're located just because the whole tour is in Europe. They have a bad winter. The whole season is, is tough. We don't really go to North America and do, um, or go to very far in North America. We got one race in Canada or two races at one location. Um, and so we're not really like spreading out just to, to find the snow. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, like just, um, you know, like I usually think, or I like to think about like, um, when I think about the way that you must have to run your program and stuff to make this work, like the amount of like life skills and stuff that you're actually learning or have to learn to make all this happen, you know, budgeting, you know, even just scheduling flights and just making everything happen is huge because I literally just get an email. Here's your flights, you know, show up here and just pay for your lunches and stuff like that. And you're fine. Um, but, uh, you gotta do it all on your own. So it's, I used to tell <laughs> there myself is pros that. and cons, I, I guess used, for sure. Right. Yeah. I used to tell myself that a lot, a couple of years ago, it's like, oh, well at least the life skills I'm learning by like having to talk <laughs> to sponsors and like communicate with people. Like that's the, I'm going to come out of this on the other side of this career, like with a, with a bonus, um, <laughs> except then you're like in the red financially, but yeah. I have uh, life skills, but like for it's gotten better and I've seen myself get better at it. Cause like, and Part of it's just like age because mm-hmm. when I was first starting and you're like 20 years old trying to ask people for money and like figure stuff out and then you're traveling around with some other guys who are 26, 27 and like also just figuring it out. Mm-hmm. Like it was, uh, that was a bit rough at the start. Luckily I was like 18 and just was like could roll with it. I could sleep yeah. in my car if I had to or whatever it was. I wasn't that picky about what was going on. I was just stoked to race in Europe and race the World Cup. Um, but as I, and like your start talking to sponsors or whoever it is and they're they're older than you and they kind of just look at you like a kid that made it pretty tough when I was first starting out and now over the years like 
guys I used to ski with now work for ski companies. And so Mm -hmm. it's like, it's more of a peer to peer instead of like this, this guy who could like talking to his, like a high schooler basically. Mm -hmm. So that made it that, that transition has been pretty nice. It's a a mix of both getting a little older and then, uh, getting some better, more skills. Yeah. Have you guys been seeing a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel there? Or is like, what do you like, what does it look like the future of us ski cross right now? Um, yeah, it's tough. Like definitely, um, I, I was pretty like hopeful coming over. Like when I like going through all the process with the nation change and stuff was like the super helpful from the membership side of both Canadian snow sport and the U S ski team. Like everybody was amazing and, and it was pretty much seamless and, um, had a few, you know, back and forth with some of the people in the U S ski team, um, director of sport and um just kind of trying to figure out where where they see ski cross fitting um and i know it's on their radar um and they're definitely i think trying to find a place like it's it's difficult because now under fist it's like they're talking about the switch moving us under alpine and most national teams now are like the ski cross is under the alpine even though it's a freestyle sport so um, in ski in us ski team, we got moved under Alpine. So they, that was kind of last minute for them. So they didn't really know, um, much about what was going on for us. So it's kind of been a struggle with just little stuff like entries and like any sort of communication. But I think, um, you know, Tyler, I always said, like, if we can have some success, like, I think that's the easiest way is to get some recognition. Um, and Tyler showed, you know, in, in Austria and, you know, I was, I think I kind of miss a pretty good opportunity at Worlds. Like I was skiing really well there and, um, just, you know, didn't work out, but I think the speed is there for both of us. So like, um, I'm fired up for these last few stops to see if we can kind of capitalize on the end of the season here after like definitely had some struggles early on, but I think that kind of would be, um, the easiest way to kind of get it a little bit more in their face. And then, um, you know, we kind of have to see after the season, like have some, have some conversations and see, um, you know, what direction they want to head, but it's tough. Like in the season, like you can't be like, I don't know, we're kind of just trying to make it, (laughs) you know, like you're focused on like race by race. And yeah, like you said, we're doing, you know, flights and figuring this out and figuring trying to figure everything out. So I think once the dust settles, we'll, um, kind of have a little regroup and, um, reach out to some of those guys and see, um, what the future holds, but I think it's, uh, it's, it's tough. Like I, I talked to guys that have been trying for like, they were trying in the beginning when like Teller and those guys were racing and they're like, yeah, good luck, dude. When I switched over they're like laugh at me when I think I see like, you know, some potential, but, um, I'm hopeful still. And I think, you know, definitely a little bit of success will help and, um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, yeah, bring it like when Dell showed up, it definitely, uh, made me uh see a little bit more positive in it because like yeah i've been in, i've been in it since we've been cut basically or haven't had any support and seeing what's what we've been doing over the last few years um so it was a nice to like it was reinvigorating to have dell like oh yeah like maybe this will happen and i was like eh, i wouldn't hold your breath dude yeah. um and that's kind of like i said that to myself uh six seven years ago and that it was a big step for me because it was like every season a bunch of us would like kind of regroup and be like okay next year we're gonna be back with the ski team and like we'll have to readjust and like get it going again 
And it was always just like just waiting game for something to happen. And then I realized like, okay, I can't wait anymore. I just got to like do what I have to do to find success. And once I kind of had that mindset, it definitely helped me progress as an, as an athlete and as a skier. Um, but I agree with Dell. There's definitely always potential there. It's just trying to get the right people to, to agree with us. And it's, or just like roll the dice, make a commitment or do anything. It's always, every time I've talked to anyone, not every time, but most of the time I've talked to anyone, it's always just been like a, Oh, well we'll see. And it's like, well, I, I have to make plans. Like I can't just wait for you guys to decide. Like you only have so many starts in your career and so many years to do it and be at your peak. And I got to, I got to do it now. Like if, if Dell and I, like if we just retired tomorrow, then it would take who knows how long to rebuild any sort of success. Like, um, as like for the whole way through, I'm the only, and Brant as well, Brant Crossan, like we were the only Americans who like were there when Teller was still racing, um, to now. And like, yeah, there's, it's taken a long time to get even to the level we're at, but it's, if we were just gone, like there would be a start from absolute square one. And every year that goes by, it gets harder to catch the teams that are putting in the work and the money and the investment in the younger athletes to take the spots of the guys who are retiring. And we're just kind of as a whole team, we're falling behind that just to, to get there. But we have such good talent pool and so many skiers who could fit the role of, of ski cross that like there's, it's almost never too late, but we're getting close. <laughs> well, like even on the NORAM circuit here, like um, there's a couple guys that are starting to throw down pretty good, you know, uh, I guess, well, I guess Stewart's here mm-hmm. and uh, then like Tanner Murphy, you know, he's been doing really well and he's a young guy from, from, from the States. So um, there's definitely interest and there's guys that are, you know, trying, even though there's not really a super easy way to get up here. So um, it's good to see for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough, like for sure. Tanner's like kind of, he, he raced here last year at world juniors and got, I think sixth. Um the track definitely fits his style. I, I skied with him for the first time in April of last year, and he's like 17. He's got huge potential, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's a gap to the World Cup for sure. It's a huge step up. Um, I think he's coming to Canada next week, and so we'll see where he's at. Like he could just punch one in. You don't you never know. Yeah. Um, but it makes it tough because like if those young guys want to come join us, it's like we we want to look out for them, but it's also not really our responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, we have, we have partnerships that we have to accommodate and it's like, who knows if the German team wants to bring a 17 year old on the road and like kind of take care of him. So, um, that kind of, that looking forward makes it tough, but it's, uh, it's nice to see there's guys still, still going. I mean, it takes a like, it takes a bit of, uh, it's a bit of balls to, like leave an Alpine program and just be like, yeah, I'm going to go do this thing on my own. There's no roadmap. There's no one who's like been on the team who, or like there's no coach head coach who's going, Oh yeah. To make the team next year, you have to do this. There's no map. It's like you race Norams and then you're on your own until you go to the Olympics. And it's like, there's no in between where like every other team, it's like, yeah, hit this goal. Like we'll hit this step. And then next year we'll aim for this. Um, and that's pretty daunting for most people. It takes someone with some, maybe a few screws loose to, to make that jump. Yeah, for sure. Um, so kind of, I think we had a good talk about that, but let's move into kind of like the, 
I guess the ski cross side and stuff. So I was like, um, was hoping you guys could kind of tell me a little bit about like, um, you know, what your experiences were like, you know, you know, five, seven, and then Dell a little bit longer uh, years ago in, uh, in like the life of ski cross, what it was like and, and, and some, some cool stories that you really liked about it. And, uh, yeah, I guess I, I can start like, um, yeah, we're like, like I said, I started in, with the Canadian team in 2007 and like, we, we're kind of one of the first real programs that put a group of skiers together that we'd, we'd been racing kind of all on our own. Um, and we're pretty successful, like relatively successful. And basically all they did was give us the funding and support, um, to let us ski together and push each other. And, um, and that was kind of the first, I think, I think that's how you have to do it. Like that's what, you know, needs to happen in the U S like you need the support to make it happen. And, um, yeah, we were able to have a lot of success early on. Um, I didn't quite capitalize on the Vancouver, um, goal of a, of a, of a medal, but, um, I put myself in a position in the final there and, and just didn't, didn't work out. But, um, yeah, the early days were, it was like, we started in January, so it was different. Um, you know, we had a, like a lot less racing, bigger gaps in between, and you had the X Games events and like the Jeep King of the Mountain and Honda Ski Tour, those events kind of mixed in. And those were kind of the highlights, like have the World Cups and they were like, yeah, they were fun or whatever, but then go to some of those other pro events. Um, and that's that was where I had my first win was at the Honda, uh, I think it was the Honda, I forget if it was Jeep or Honda, um, in Sun Valley, but that was like, the first year on the world cup, I was like fourth, like three or four times and just couldn't punch through, um, made, made some finals and then, um, showed up at sun Valley and whole shot it in the final and beat Kraus. Like that was like whole shotting Thomas Kraus back in the day was like no joke. And I don't know how I did it, but I <laughs> managed. And that was like my first big win. Um, and yeah, that's, <clears throat> those are kind of the glory days, I think. <clears throat> and then, um, I think we were definitely getting somewhere like five or six years ago, like starting to get to a point where the tracks were pretty good. And then I don't know through leadership or like snow issues is kind of was one excuse or whatever. Um, I think you know, the last four or five years have been on a downward slope. And I think a lot of people that have been around for a long time agree. Um, some guys don't know the difference. Like that's just how it is. Cause that's how it was when they showed up. But, um, I think there's a lot more potential. Um, but yeah, I would say, um, you know, there's just enough races. I think this year, like right around was fun. Like it's a different style. It's like pretty full balls out. Like, you know, there's, and it's tight racing and you gotta be like sending it. Um, and then I think worlds, they did a pretty good job at that track too. Like, and those are two, two races that I, you know, kind of found some speed again. So I don't know if it's like those style, <laughs> like those kind of courses where there's feel and flow and like you know, kind of suit me a little bit more than just like the run of the mill, like when the start and you're good to go. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I think, I don't know, there's, I still love it. So, um, I'm going to keep, you know, I'm going to keep rolling this year for sure. And uh, I don't know what the future holds, but we'll kind of, like I said, with it, it kind of just comes down to what happens with, with that, like our program going forward, if we can get something going and get some, um, support, I think, you know, definitely I would like to stay involved, but 
if I'm like funding another like $70,000 a year or whatever, you know, trying to like scrape by and make it happen at like, you know, those are tough, tough calls. Like there's other things definitely in life, but, um, for now I love it, but, um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. It's tough really trying to, trying to like, you know, when we're talking to some of the officials and stuff, trying to just be like, Hey man, we're like, we want these big courses. And they're like, yeah, well, like we, we, we just made a big jump right there. It's like one big jump doesn't make course, man. It doesn't make the course like course big and have it flow and have like those big banks that link into everything like they, like they used to and stuff. And it's, um, I, yeah, I'm, it's, it's difficult to be like, to try and, you know, show them and tell them what, what we're really looking for and what, you know, what is super visually appeasing to see on TV and stuff and really blows people away. Yeah. I mean, I just, I think they got like this idea that like a small track is safe and, um, I don't agree. Like when it's a, when it's like, (laughs) like when it's a small track and like you're in the start gate and you've inspected and you're not even like worried about going down it because it's like nothing there. Um, I think that creates more like different type of racing where you just are like beating and banging and stuffing it inside. Cause there's no respect for like, used to be like at X games, especially like those kind of tracks, like they're big features and like, you have to respect the track. Like, so you're not like clipping skis going off jumps or like, you know, you definitely have a different, it's a different style of racing cause you have to respect the track. And, um, I don't think it's any more dangerous when it's big. It's just, it's a different kind of racing and i think now everybody's just so used to like and i think it starts on the europa cup level because the tracks aren't huge and like you always hear the stories of like you know just stuffing it in on um here or there and there's um and i think that they kind of get bred into that style of racing and then they show up on the world cup and now the tracks are pretty conducive for that like you just there's nothing to really worry about like i can't really remember the last time I think Brady said the same thing. Like when you were in the start gate, like we used to like first run, you're like, all right, okay, I got that. Like, I really got to think about it. Cause like there's consequences now. It's just like, all right, first run full speed. Like you can run a heat, you know? Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you, how you change that. Like talk to a lot of people about it and it's like, they think it's like safer racing, but I think this year we've had a lot of injuries on the top guys or a lot of the top guys were out early in December on like not that crazy of tracks, but I think it's just because of the, the amount of contact that small courses breed. So I don't know, just a different, I guess, different outlook on the sport. And cause I came from the days when it was like big and, and scary and you kind of had to respect the course. And before you, like, that was the first thing was making it down the track before like the racing part so um i don't know we'll see we'll see where it goes yeah i kind of caught the tail end of that I, w- I think so the tail end of that era like i remember the first training runs in the at the sochi test event um i think yeah i remember seeing dell up there scott neller teller um brady was, i think was up there and i was just like i have to go before i see anyone else go or i'm like not gonna make it down like i was t- super nervous um, and honestly, there was some fog rolled in on the last jump. I've told this one before to quite a few people, but like coming in, I couldn't only, I could only see blue lines and I was like, Oh, I didn't really inspect any exit options here. I'm just going to follow the, the, what I can see. And then I was in the air for a while and I was like, I think it should come up soon. I finally saw blue lines again, landed all good. 
like I think I ran maybe fifth and I was pretty young um, just for a training run. And I was just like fired up. And then the next run went that little bit of fog cleared. It was just like a, it came in and then it had a hold for five minutes and then it was gone again for the rest of the day. And I hit the jump on the second run and I was like, Oh shit, this is really big. Like I was glad I couldn't see anything on the first run. Like I could see how high I was. And I was like, that was like, I probably might've just bailed on it on the first run. Um, and I think that was 2013. And I mean, it, part of it for me to like the last few years, I was like, well, maybe are the tracks getting smaller? Or am I just getting like more confident and better at them? And then I hear some of the guys who were like good at that time. Cause like, I think you won that race. Uh, Victor did. All right, Victor did. Yeah. You run the podium or I think I was second. Yeah. Um, so then like to hear some of like Brady and Dell and some guys who have like were good at that time to be like, no, they're getting smaller. I was like, Oh, okay. Like I thought so as well, but like, I wasn't sure if it was just me. Like I was, I was pretty scared those first few years and like, I didn't have a big transition period of like, I didn't have coaches really. I didn't have anyone to be like, Oh, you're at some Norams. I raced some Europa cups. And then I went to world cup and I was like, Dude, this is different. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I couldn't mess up those guys. Cause I couldn't catch them on a big track. Like it took me a while to get the speed to be close to them where like, it's still, still there, but like you can get some other guys who only race Europa cup style racing in smaller tracks who just like show up to a world cup and they can bang elbows because like the top guys can't build the separation. Um, and like those first, my first years, like it might've been just been me, but there weren't that many guys who showed up to a, from like made that jump to world cup and just put it in there. Um, or like just could blow up a heat with some contact and, um, it wasn't as, I don't know if it's more common. I wouldn't like, I, I don't know any of the numbers on it, but it feels more common now. Yeah, for sure. You can definitely hop on to the world cup and be aggressive and, and have like a good L plan background and, and, uh, and hang pretty good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like for me, like my, my one taste of like a big course was, was, uh, Pyeongchang when I got to forerun for the Olympics there. Mm-hmm. And that was like just when I was getting on the circuit. I think I had done one World Cup before and didn't qualify. And so we show up there and it was like, I was like, these are huge. These are huge. So big. And then the final too, there was like the final straight, there was those massive jumps and you come into them and the lips was so big. It would be like full press and you were just like to the bottom. Next one. To the bottom and oh dude they were and my first run i go down and even like the start was like a 10 foot drop right so you do you do the start land try not to g out get up over the next feature drop in and then it's basically just this big straight section you get into like 90 kilometers an hour over the biggest dragon's back i've ever been on in my entire life (laughs) and then you come ripping into this hip biggest hip i ever, ever hit in my life get over that and then there was the road gap, and I remember coming into the road, the road gap, and I just sat down on the, on the lip and went upside down. And well, I'm they like, put some curve into that turn, right? Because <laughs> I, I didn't, I wasn't at the games, but at the test event, that jump, like I was watching guys, like Chick had a huge crash there in, in the race, and a bunch of guys crashed there, and I was like, I don't remember that being like it was really, it was big, but it wasn't that hard. That like that left foot on off. Yeah. And then I was like, kind of looking at an angle, and they, they dished they it dished out. They dished it yeah. in the, for the yeah. They tried to do too much, I think, for the Olympics. Like, the test event was 
pretty money, just like some minor changes and it would have been like perfect. And they like added like a, one or two more features on the bottom straight that just like got rid of a lot of the space in between and like, yeah, just kind of stack things up. And then they dish that, that on off like butter box and that like people are just going deep and landing like on the upslope and then no man's land. So yeah, I think that was kind of a fail on just on just trying to do more, you know, but, yeah. um, yeah, that was kind of the last big one. I, that, that was, was a good one. that was, that was big. That was scary. I mean, Idre as well though. Like they've, yeah. they, that was like our big track of the year. Valto used to always be big, but it, it kind of follows the same flow. So it's hard to like, they've definitely made changes. I think this year was the, the smallest. I wasn't skiing very well at that point in December. So it's easy to like yeah. <laughs> lean on, like, be like, Oh, it sucked, but I wasn't fast either. So it was um, like, like they they jump like yeah they used to build jumps where you could like if you could press hard you would land first and then you would have an advantage and the landing was long enough like even if you rode it yeah it sucks because you fly too far but you're fine Mm -hmm. um now there's a most of the jumps i'm seeing are like if you press it you knuckle or like if you ride it you overshoot so it's like oh you have to do this perfect 53 percent press and it's like okay well that works for like one person's speed if you're any faster or slower i mean where were we in in georgia they they built a jump where it was like constantly popping 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 and it was like it would have worked on the race day speed but we had snow mm-hmm. or at the olympics in in china that step up um jump like we were popping for it and then it snowed for the girls and i was like i'm glad i'm not running today like that <laughs> looks like it's gonna suck you're everyone was casing it yeah um that's one of the big things I, I see. And I like, again, I, I like to think I have a good press. And so I'm like, I complain about it mm-hmm. because I'm like, oh, there's my advantage gone or one of my skill sets that would help me be fast. Um, but I would say those, that's like the thing I miss is that jump or like those kind of jumps, like the goalie jump in yeah. Valto. Like I've made most of my passes in my, in Valto on that jump, yeah. like fourth to first or fourth, like, just make a good press, commit to it. Some other, another guy might stand up early and I'm like, Nope, I'm going to the knuckle and I'm going full cowboy mm-hmm. and I'll carry more speed and land first. And like, instead of having to wait until the negative turn and try to put him out there, <laughs> like I was like, no, I'll just pass him when we're going straight. Yeah. Like that's better. Yeah. And then even like Dell, I remember you always used to say, you know, like there's nothing wrong with straight sections and yeah. you don't, <laughs> It's like ski cross, you don't need to have gates everywhere. Nope. Like I was thinking like even at Vezina here, think about if on that double out of the start, that was the last gate until the double of the straight section. Yeah. And it was just, just could go. Skier line. Right? Like <laughs> like why, like the gates, they just create like those pinch points, right? Yeah, here's, but I think, yeah, like <clears throat> we'll see how it rolls. But like, yeah, I, I always say like negative turns are just, like contact creators that's all they do is create yeah. contact and it seems like nowadays every course has like multiple negatives like mm-hmm. i don't know where like it used to be like maybe you'd have one or well you used to have none and then they found the that type of <laughs> element and they started putting them in everywhere and now it's like every turn is like a negative and yeah. i mean in, even in rider they put a negative with rollers like mm-hmm. that was like next level like okay we'll make a negative turn and we'll put rollers in it so then we'll for sure create like oh, you, some contact you, you became familiar with yeah, the consequences of that <laughs> a little bit and well, I, you, you you can't get side like you can't get side by side with someone in a negative and actually carry speed out 
And yeah. honestly, you can barely get side by side with someone in a, ne- a negative without having contact. Yeah, well, it's like to carry any speed out of it, you kind of have to leave room on entrance usually to like set it up a bit. But if you do, someone's going to stuff it in. <laughs> so it's like this like fine line of like straight enough to where you don't quite lose enough speed and hope no one will go tighter. And usually someone always does. So it's like, yeah, I don't know. Um, I definitely think like if it works with the flow of like a hill or something, like it's cool, but like just to build them, to build them is like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, don't about, know. I think the Valto negative was like when yeah. we first showed up and we were looking at, like you always drive up the road and you can see the finish area coming up the road. And I, I don't remember the first year we had the big negative. Well, yeah. it's been around for a while, but I remember seeing it the first time and just being like, Dude, where, where are the gates going? Like, yeah. There's nothing there. It's just the, like an icy wall. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, it was always like, that was the point on track that it was like, okay, like I'm going to have to not go as wide as I want to go. Yeah. And now it feels like most of the tracks, there's like three points, mm-hmm. three sections like that. Yeah. So you're just waiting for it to, yeah, for sure. but like with Valto, like that's a natural feature yeah. of the hill right like and i know when they used to build that huge jump that was you know like <laughs> that jump was nice because it. it actually created room going into it so like you have that huge booter then you had to turn and it was like a side hill right so there actually was space and then you drop into that turn and and it kind of worked but um yeah the the building them of them just to build them and then even like this year in um the the uh, the negative after the gully jump that was just guys were getting ejected in every single heat there. Yeah, well, that's because I mean, someone will always go tighter, right? Yeah. Unless you like control the, I mean, unless you really control the entrance of it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I've always said they're uh, they're not my favorite feature, but um, yeah, and then they like almost completely got rid of banks. Like at least here, there's the one at the bottom, which I think is cool. Like if you know know how to carry some speed through a bank like i think it's definitely a skill for for ski cross that has been kind of lost for a while so like the montafon montafon years of like like some big g banks like those were fun like um were you did you race montafon when that has the had the bid i have never raced montafon always missed out on it but like i remember like um like you've been to red bull right Mm -hmm. and that first bank because it's such a aggressive bank, one you can't really you're not really skiing where the gates are because you're not carrying speed. So that alone just creates so much space. And then actually the first year was actually cool when they opened it up when you had the option to drop in. And then like like with with the big final with me, like I was side by side with Chapuis going in to the first turn, yeah, he and he went tight, and I went around the bank. And then also Bishi was behind us, and he went tight, and was in front of me at first and they probably had like you know almost you know 15 meters on me coming out of the bank and then I passed Bishi like he was standing still because I carried my speed to the bank um, and then almost got back to Chapuis there but it's just it just there was no contact and there was you know like three passes in that one area and there was no contact i remember watching it and being like oh see that's how like they they had the distances right they had the speed right they had a little bit of consequence if you were too slow out of that turn because they had to jump after it so you didn't like it kept people from committing to that inside because you had to make the next jump and then i was like oh now like they've seen how we're supposed to build banks now and then no one like that was the last time until like last year when we were there again but they 
it was a little bit different. And it's tough because you have to have like, the snow conditions be right to have the speed line up. But that one was like perfect. I remember watching it being like, no, that's, that's how you build a bank. And you can set the gate down in the bottom because they built it right. Where now like we'll build a bank. And I mean like at the second to last turn and at the Olympics, like they had a nice bank there. I was looking at it. I'm like, oh, sweet. This will be a cool section. I come over the roll and the gate's in the bottom. Yeah. And we never touched the wall. Like they made it be a single lane landing. Like you had to land on the on the double up up coming into it beyond the gate and it just took away everyone had to be on one line because there was a rut there. And I was like, if they just moved the gate, I think it was probably like two meters back into the turn, like then we could use the bank and everyone could carry speed and do something a little different. But I was like, Well, why'd you build it then? You could have yeah. just left it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, man, like last year that that jump after that bank was that thing was goofy big, <laughs> and and I'm and I'm the guy that doesn't really know how to press right <laughs> because I've never really had to. Yeah. And you go into there and it's like my full press and it's just like, and you've dropped like eighty feet. It feels like before you land down on the bottom of that pitch. I had a nice uh, helicopter ride from that yeah. one. Oh yeah, yeah I remember that. Tyler had a good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just a little contact with Simone. Oh yeah, and yeah. just started my rotation and. I knew how far we were going when landing on our feet, and I was upside down going like this. Is I forgot suck. how gnarly that video was. I haven't seen that in a long time. That was nuts. Uh, yeah. That one, I had a lot of time to think about my schedule for the next week, so I was like, this is going to be totally messed up. I was like, this might, I think I'm going to be pretty hurt from this. And luckily, I was like a bit in shock, but luckily I was pretty much fine. Yeah, I will be popping that video in right now. Because yeah. <laughs> that's worthwhile for sure. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, so I guess, um, Del, you're probably stoked about going to Craigleith, hey? Another new spot? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting. We'll see. Like, yeah, I don't even know what to expect. Um, I always like Blue Mountain. Um, it's not much of a hill, but, like, it's perfect for us. Like, I had the top was, you know, flat, good start section. Usually, I, I'm not really, I don't even have any idea what Craigleith Hill looks like. I, I think we might have skied there once over the years. Um, but yeah, it's exciting to go to a new spot and, um, new spot for everybody. Yeah. So yeah, I think it kind of, those are always fun. Like see who can adapt and, um, be ready to roll the quickest. So yeah, I'm fired up. Yeah. It should be cool. And at least, you know, finishing up in, at least in North America is nice to be a little bit closer to home. Well, I, mean, I get to fly through <laughs> what we have a layover in New York. Yeah. That'll be the first time I've been in the U S since August. And so that'll, that'll be a nice two hours. They'll yeah. be like, yeah, I'm home. Yeah, but, sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, my first World Cup was at Blue Mountain Yeah, when I was, yeah, 2012. And so I like going back there. It's kind of cool. It's it's fun being back uh, where it all started, kind of. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I've never been to Craigleith. I, I've heard it's like blue, um, and I always like blue as well. So it should be, yeah. be fun. You guys have any uh, plans or goals for this off season? what you're thinking about doing or get as big as you as big as me. <laughs> yeah me too uh, that's what i'll be working yeah. on yeah yeah del you gonna do any racing this year uh, uh enduro um no nah, man i think that shit sailed like <laughs> i don't know like maybe some master stuff now nah, it seems like i'm i'm almost in that age bracket but now like those guys are so fast nowadays and like they're riding year round and um to try and like jump in there um, and hang with those guys, you got to like be willing to lay it on the line and 
it just doesn't feel that good to layer down on a bike anymore. <laughs> so just trying to, yeah, stay mostly in one piece. Um, definitely ride a lot, but yeah, keep her a little bit more chill. Yeah. Like when you were getting into ski cross, you were also like really competitive in, in, in mountain bike racing, right? Like what, what made you choose one or the other? Or did you kind of try to do both for a while? Um, yeah, I always raced bikes and ski raced like for as long as I can remember. I started as, um, on the road bike as a kid, like eight years old, right? This, you know, ride was, what was it called? It was called like the mini red zinger mini classic, like was like a stage junior road race. I did that for a while. I have some junior national medals on the road and the track on Belladrome. Um, and then I switched kind of being in the mountains, like mountain biking kind of started to make its way into the forefront and race cross country. And then like downhill started and I, I got on a downhill bike and that was like it for me. I was like, this, yeah, this is it. Represented the U S as a junior at world champs actually in Sierra Nevada, um, Spain. And at, when I was 18 and ragdolled in my race run, like qualified like 10th, but I was like pretty fast as a, uh, on the downhill bike. And then, um, again, I raced as a senior and Champery for the Canadian world's team. I think, you know, 20, was that i don't even remember but that was gnarly that was i don't know if you've ever if you guys watched world champs champery when danny hart um sent it in the rain like, oh yeah i've seen that one yeah legendary yeah that i was there for that <laughs> and like champery is freaking steep but um yeah i always felt like it like the skill set crossed over especially for ski cross like reacting picking lines at speed ad- you know just like adapting to different conditions and Um, It was just a way to kind of train that, like, outside of the skiing. Like, you're not just banging laps on on skis, like, all year round. Um, So I think, you know, I could get a lot of that training um, on the bike and then be fresh when it came time to come and just to get back on the skis. So there was no real burnout. But, yeah, it's just hard. Like, as you get older, yeah, I mean, it's hard to do both at that level. And I've just kind of, like, tried to keep things relatively in one piece like in the summer because there's enough risk in the winter but uh definitely ride still ride a lot but not not at that level yeah when when you ride hard and and you go down it, it hurts yeah <laughs> yeah for sure awesome what about you tyler any plans yeah i'm think working on uh finishing up my helicopter license oh wild um, I don't know if, I mean, technically, I guess it's safer than racing mountain bikes. Um, Probably, unless you... <laughs> Yeah, unless I don't, I'm not doing very good. Um, yeah, my dad was uh, was an instructor for a long time, and I've been flying with him for the last few years, but never, like, committed to working on my license. We've been... He's technically still an instructor, so okay. I, like, have hours flying. But this year, I've been... Last few years, I keep talking about, like, buckling down and getting it done. Um, but now I'm trying to get that thing across the line and just just get that under my belt because it's something that's been in my family around my family for since I was a kid so um, I think it's a cool skill to have and just kind of takes your mind out of just training and doing this just a little something different with I mean I think you could agree with that with like school stuff like it just lets you not think about skiing or training oh, for sure. all the time and like it's, sure it's take some time and work but at least you have something else to focus on and learn about which is kind of nice yeah that's super cool and uh where's that helicopter located now uh that's in wyoming but i'll probably do uh do my school 
back in California just because yeah. it's that's where my dad uh, worked for his whole helicopter career, yeah. and so he's got a lot of friends who, um, and he just knows he he knows a lot of pilots down there, and so I'll go probably go fly with some of those guys and uh, just finish up my license and then be back in Wyoming. Yeah, there'll be some cool country to fly around in. Yeah, well, I've, really I've flown cool. a bit in Wyoming now, and it's oh, it's so nice. I mean, in same California, like up in up in Mammoth, it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Wyoming's it's a cool spot. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for coming on the podcast, guys. Thanks for having us. I think it was cool. We'll have to do this again for sure. Yeah. You know, I feel like we could talk for, for hours and stuff. Del's, but, got, uh, Del's got some stories. So yeah. many stories. We could just have like yeah. Del's story time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can add a segment. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, thank you very much. Um, I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, let's kick off this last little bit of the season here and bring in. Bring it home. <laughs> yeah, man. Thank awesome. You. Yeah, thanks yeah. a lot, Dell. We appreciate all the, the wisdom, and we love having you around, and yeah, it's, a, it's sweet. Yeah, I think it looks better in red, white, and blue, to oh, be yeah. honest. <laughs> yeah. Amen, it's, it's brother. <laughs> it's got the red one. Awesome, well, thank you very much, and uh, thank you for watching.